The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of new media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. What's on your heart today, Monsignor? Today, the outstanding figure, there are two. One is Mary, and that'll come later on. But in our, our Advent journey, John the Baptist is a huge figure. And he, he comes into every gospel. And every gospel writer, somehow, if they don't have an infancy account of a Jesus, his entrance into the world is tied up with John the Baptist. Like St. John, in, in his prologue, Jesus is the light, but John is the one who is pointing out and indicating the light. Jesus is the Lamb of God, but John is the one who proclaims him. And so every gospel writer, but especially Luke, has these two men meet within the womb. John leapt for joy at the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary. And so they're they're linked right together from infancy right through in, in their lives. And so this close-knit relationship, John preparing the way, indicating that Jesus the Savior is near, that was his role. And so today in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is indicating the closeness of John to his life by the suffering he endured before Jesus' passion is to take place. So let's listen to that presence of John and the role he played. Because from the Old Testament on, Elijah must come into the world before the Messiah. And that spirit of Elijah definitely came into the world to prepare for the coming of Jesus and his saving of the world. So in Matthew's Gospel, the 17th chapter, beginning with the 10th verse, we get this indication, and it's a great Advent time, preparing our hearts for the nearness of Jesus' coming. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As they were coming down from the mountain, the disciples asked Jesus, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said in reply, Elijah will indeed come and restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also will the Son of Man suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. The Gospel of the Lord. John the Baptist, as a herald of Jesus, comes before him. He is indicating and teaching us that Jesus is near. Jesus is indeed near this Christmas. How is he coming into the world? 
This is the most important message that we have to give and proclaim. Jesus is coming into the world in a new way through me, through you, in a way that he's never been here before. He is coming in to be the light in my life and in yours. Jesus is near. And as he comes deeper and deeper into me, he is going to come deeper and deeper into the world. The impact of Christ in, through, and with me, as he has never been before, there's going to be a new life, a new birth. How do I know that? Every indication shows it. Every past events of our lives has shown us that John the Baptist had shown up before there was a greater growth in each of us. Let me try and give you some signs in my own life of John the Baptist coming before there was a new growth in me. My brother George and I, I was about six, about six, six and a half. He was about five. And we were going to smoke. And we decided we were going to have a cigarette. So we somehow got, uh, we, we always recount this story. And we got tobacco and we got this, these papers that you roll up and you, you make a cigarette for yourself. Somehow we found out that that's what people did. How we got the tobacco, we got matches, and then we were hiding behind, and I still in my mind can remember a barn where we were going to get behind and have this smoke. We had just lighted it up, and this lady, who was a nemesis of ours, there was no doubt if she saw us smoking, she was going to tell our parents. And oh, wow. So George threw his cigarette away. I took the cigarette and I put it and stuffed it in my pocket and made sure it was out so it didn't burn the shirt. And so we somehow escaped. And you know, boys, you just go on. And that was like one of the events of our day. And we just forgot about the whole thing. My mother was doing the wash. And when she was washing our shirts, she discovered that in the pocket of one of the shirts was a cigarette. And it happened to be George's shirt. Because when we were that age, we were about the same size and we could wear each other's clothes. I had George's shirt on. My mother told my father that George was smoking. And when he came home, there was a riot act. And I remember, and George got spanked for that. He's come, he came back into the room, and I was laying there, shivering and worrying about the recompense to smoking. And he just got in bed, was crying, and in his snivels and tears, he said, John, I just took a beating for you. And he turned over. I said, 
did you tell that it was me? He said, no. That was huge at that age that he didn't say a word. I remember getting up out of bed and being convicted. That long walk down to my dad's door. Dad, I was the one that was smoking. You know, we come, we come somehow to that deeper life within us of Jesus by somebody going before us and teaching us and showing us the way all along the way of our lives. Years and years later, as I was in Beirut, I remember being in the Beka Valley and I had known this priest, Father Nicholas Cluthers, and I was called to identify his body when he had been killed by the Hezbollah. And I, I remember examining the tortured, beaten, dead body and identifying him as he had been electric shocked in his groin, his nails pulled out and all his teeth. And he had a tourniquet around his neck and he was choked to death. And I remember John the Baptist thinking, it's the first time in my life I realized that I lived in an age of martyrs. Having grown up in Pennsylvania and having just lived as a priest there, and even in Peru, never did I ever think that someone would want to kill me for Jesus. And when I saw his dead body, for the first time in my life, I had seen that just as Jesus, in the deepest part of our being, were called, at times, to be martyrs. Nicholas was my John the Baptist that year. On my return, Mother Teresa had said, there's a whole area of life that I believe you should go into, and that's to, to lead men to, and formation of men to priesthood. She asked me to help her establish a, an order of missionary charity priests, and that if I would begin to give retreats to seminarians, and I remember meeting John Horn, a young Jesuit, who was, as he was in teaching at Scranton Prep, and as we prayed together, and as we asked God together to lead us, how we could see that seminaries were like dancing among ruins, how there was a dance to be done, but as we prayed together, John Horn was my John the Baptist. You see, who is your John the Baptist 
this Christmas. You are being called to a new life in Christ. There's something new in every stage of my life as I look in my rearview mirror. God is constantly calling me to be Jesus, to be Jesus, to be Jesus, to grow, to become in a way that I had never been before. I would challenge you this, Advent, who is that person in your life that's calling you to a deeper life in the life of Jesus? You're living it at what level? How deep can you go? How much more of Christ is being called forth in you than ever before in your life? There are people in our lives, each one of our lives, that are personally calling us. I think it's so important. Listen to the words of the gospel again. As they came down from the mountain, this was the mountain on which Jesus, in some way I believe, had been transfigured. They put this question to Jesus because he had to go up another mountain, and that was Calvary. Why do the scribes say, then, that Elijah has to come first? True, Jesus replied, Elijah is to come to see that everything is once more as it should be. However, I tell you that Elijah has come already, and they did not recognize him, but treated him as they pleased, and the Son of Man will suffer in the same way at their hands. This life of grace that we're living and being more deeply born into is going to be challenged in this new year 2017. This life of grace is never ended. It goes deeper and deeper into each one of us as I have never lived it before. I am going to be called to suffer and to die and to rise. That's what the whole, that's what the whole life of grace in the church is all about. Some people just live one year and that's it, and they die. Each of us, though, is called constantly to live the Paschal mystery in a deeper and deeper way, in him and through him and with him. Then the disciples understood that he had been speaking of John the Baptist. So as you continue in this Advent journey, look in your life. Who were those people in your life that called you to a deeper life in Christ? And who are those people now, this particular Advent, who are calling you on to a deeper role in the suffering, in the dying, and the rising of Jesus Christ? We have a role to play a Christ role, 
a Jesus role. This year, if I am going to live this year of grace in a fruitful way, in a deeper peace, a deeper joy, deeper love, deeper patience, deeper gentleness, I am being called on deeper and deeper to live my life in him and through him and with him. And he is near. And one of the signs of how close he is near is he has in our lives a John the Baptist. There is also Mary. On this Saturday, I, I don't want to just not pay some attention to the nearness of Mary. And I really hope and pray that in this coming week, we may in this third Sunday, which is tomorrow, call all of us to a deeper awareness of our, our, our need in some way to consecrate and dedicate ourselves to Mary. Monsignor? Yes. There are those who are struggling right now in this Advent season with those who are hurting us in a deep way. And we, we struggle. And we may have thought they were a John the Baptist, and it turns out that it, they... Um, Our stumbling block. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What would you say to those who are encountering those individuals? I, I, I believe that all of us meet along the way. I, I, would encur- I, I don't know if I've encouraged us during this time of Advent with regard to the Stations of the Cross. But there are those people in our lives that you have met in your life as well as I. You've met a Judas. Everyone who lives the life of Jesus. There's going to be someone that you love and is going to betray you. You've met a Simon Peter. There's going to be those that you leaned on and you thought they they would be with you. And they keep denying you over and over and over again. And that's painful. The experience we have of the Simon Peters in our life. But there are those who are who are those who are constantly encouraging us to live greater and holier lives. So what about those people that strip us, mock us, call us names, and jeer us along the way? They're there. But there are those, and especially in, in this season, who are, are John the Baptist. They suffer and, and they give their lives very effectively and lay them down in lives of service and are really instruments for our growth and help us along the way. So, yeah, there are those who uh, resist and hate and mock and will torture us along the way. But there are also those who assist and draw us on to a deeper life in Christ. I'd like to pay attention to them. Yeah, Monsignor, it, it, it's it's interesting you should you you should mention those two different aspects, and yet there there is something there in the middle, isn't there, of those relationships 
that even in this coming of Christ and allowing him in to heal it, that some relationships just change. St. Joseph in Nazareth and how after the revelation of Mary that even his relationship with friends and everything, some of them change, some for the good, some for the not so good. Where do we place those, those transformations? Yeah, I would, I would say to Jesus along the way met those people who were weeping and, and um, kind of crocodile tears, that's ethnically what he called them. And he said, do not weep for me, but for yourselves and for your children. And so along the way, we meet people who, you know, it's too bad what's happening to you, but, you know, and, and, and he said, weep not for me, but for yourselves and for your children. So there are those who really never get invested in my journey. Uh, they, they really, it's all surfacy. Mm-hmm. You know, they look at you and every day we see people carrying a cross and too bad and we even may may cry but it is we don't get we don't get involved at all and uh and in our journey you can look out and you can see those people they're not going to get involved with you at all and i think we do meet them they they're neither hot nor cold uh weep not for me but for yourselves and for your children. Mm. See, this Jesus is someone that you must make up your life about. You either for or against him. If you're not for him, you're against him. There's Jesus is not someone you take indifferently, or you you don't you know. It it, it so you either are. If, if you're a Christian, you either are or you're not. That There is no in-between. Have you found that the John the Baptists are sometimes the most unexpected? Oh, yeah. They, they come out sure. of, they're not the ones you have been oh. pals with for 10 years or anything uh, like that, but there are those uh, people who come out of nowhere uh, and just surprise uh, and delight you. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's amazing how uh, you meet those. I I tell a story about my o- almost drowning in uh, the Pacific Ocean when I was caught in a in a whirlpool, and um, um, how a man on a balsa raft saved my life. I never met him before, and. I, I grabbed on to his, his foot and he pulled me out of that and brought me all the way into the shore. I had thrown up and, uh, and I, I was aware that it was his mother that sent him in and she said, I saw you out there, Padrecito, little father, and I sent my son to save you. And because I was so exhausted, I fell asleep after throwing up, and uh, they were gone. Mm. 
And I will never forget that. John the Baptist and Mary touching my life. As they were coming down from the mountain, the disciples asked Jesus, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said in reply, Elijah will indeed come and restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also will the Son of Man suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Every one of us have John the Baptist. When did they come? How did they come? And who's in your life that's going to draw you deeper and deeper into Jesus? They're all around you. He's near right now, this Christmas, for us to grow in, through, and with Jesus Christ. Final thought, Monsignor? Jesus is near. Let us prepare for him. Prepare a way for the Lord. Make his path straight, and all mankind shall see the salvation of God. God bless. You've been listening to Building the Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. To hear and or to download this program or to browse hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com.